Welcome to another episode of the Scream Squad here in the dungeon. It is your girl, Jamie Rigetti, a.k.a. the mother of direwolves here, and I'm joined as always by my awesome co-host... Chico Leo in the dungeon. <laughs> uh, so this month we decided, or this week rather, we decided that we were going to talk about uh, school. Um, and I feel like there are tons of different kinds of uh, school related horror movies there's slashers there's you know things like the faculty where it's like an alien invasion thing um there are you know i don't know battle royale is technically school you know there's so many different kinds of school related horror movies but we picked house have you ever seen house the japanese movie oh yeah from the 70s oh yeah, yeah that is one of my favorites um, i guess it's not at school but it's a school but it's trip. school yeah it's a school trip so yeah, I mean, there's tons of different ways we could have gone here, but we kind of thought it might be fun to do something that's more like a haunted school. Um, and so we thought of The Awakening, we thought of um, The Devil's Backbone, and then we kind of are sort of squeezing one in here. Because how do you not talk about Suspiria when you're talking about schools <laughs> and horror movies? Right. So that's kind of our, you know, we know we're we're not exactly following the the formula, but we have to talk about Suspiria, so... Um. Well, and the interesting thing about all three of those is that uh, they're all... Uh, well, two of them are boarding schools, and one of them is an orphanage that doubles as a school. And so the idea, the point is that those are both... They're all three, you know, schools where the kids are actually living right. there. Yeah. Um, and that, you know... And and that and that's another... You know, a lot of these movies, that, that is the case. Um and you see uh, some the, similarities because in the Devil's Backbone, you know, all the kids sleep in like one giant hall, and so yeah. there's some spooky stuff that goes on at night, and that's also in Suspiria. So I mean, you know, it kind of works. So what do you want to talk about first? Uh, actually, let's talk about the Devil's Backbone um, because I think oh, Suspiria is a, a really big favorite of mine. But I love this movie. Um, you know, it's a Guillermo del Toro movie. It is, was it 2001 that this came out? Yeah, that that, that yeah. actually sounds about right. I mean, it's definitely a um, uh, much earlier, you know, I mean, it was his second or third movie. And um, it actually, yeah, I think it was, to, yeah, it's 2001. And it, and it is a um, at least thematic and sort of spiritual, like, prequel to, the, to Pan's Labyrinth, Absolutely. which I think a lot more people have seen. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, of course, Guillermo del Toro is a Mexican uh, director, but this is another film, just like Pan's Labyrinth, that really deals with the Civil War in Spain. Um, yep. And so this, uh, it kind of kicks off with this young boy who's brought to this kind of orphanage slash, um, you know, uh, school, I guess, for, for boys. Um, but it really is kind of a safe haven for these children. Um, so the people running it, of course, are sympathetic to the communist cause. Um, and a lot of the children that are there have uh, like a father who is kind of fighting the, with, I guess, the rebels. Yeah, the, 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 they're they're on the side of the rebels and the fascists um, who take who ultimately do take power. Um, you know, are sort of sniffing around, and these are the kids of you know the the communists, the republicans, who are fighting the fascists, and some of them. I mean, the main character is an orphan whose father died, you know, fighting. Right, and so he's kind of dropped off by these rebels who are friends of the people running the school. 
Um, and he initially thinks he isn't really staying there, but of course then he is kind of introduced into the school. Um, there's a huge, uh, missile, I guess, right? Or a bomb that is in the courtyard of the school. It's a bomb. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it was... Unexploded. It's an unexploded bomb that was dropped. Right. And so, um, what, basically what you find out is that the night that that bomb was dropped, um, one of the students went missing. And so, um... They kind of reference in the beginning that the school's not really a prison, so if you want to leave, go ahead and leave, but just know that, you know, the nearest town is really far away, and it doesn't really make sense for you to run away. But, um, so that's kind of, like, already given to you, and then when you find out that this kid went missing, the teachers just assume that he ran away, um, but of course he did not. Um, and so, uh, of course we're talking about haunted schools, and so there is a, they call him the one who sighs. And so there is this spirit of a young boy that's kind of haunting this school. Um, and So wait, I just want to say, it's interesting, like, everyone is aware that there's this ghost, mm-hmm. this boy, you know, and that's, and, and they know that there's this ghost. And, and actually, it's funny, because the reason they call him the one who sighed, they hear these sighs, and they think it's actually the ghost, but in fact, it's actually two teachers who are having an affair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or one of the teachers and one of the, uh, and, and like the groundskeeper, you know, um, custodian guy who in fact is a former student. Right. And an orphan. And an orphan. Um, and he, of course, is the bad guy. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so he basically, it's a really interesting story because I feel like there's just so much, it's so much more than just, of course, this ghost story, but that is like central to the entire thing. But, you know, this, this guy is also trying to find, there's gold, like gold bricks hidden at the school um and he there's a safe that he knows is in the kitchen and every night as he sleeps with the head ma- the headmistress he steals keys off this huge key ring and he's trying the safe and he's just trying to get this money um and uh and so that's kind of going on and um then of course at the same time that you know our kind of young man is trying to figure out and he sees this ghost Um, I don't know if the other students do. I think that they might. Um, But he definitely sees it right away. And so he is basically like investigating what is this this boy that I'm seeing. Um, And he eventually finds out it's this young boy, Santi, who, um, you know, they think went missing. But you find out that the groundskeeper, in fact, um, was doing his thing where he was trying to break into the safe and this young boy Santi and another uh, Jaime were downstairs, like stealing slugs or something. And uh, he snuck up and saw the guy trying to break into the safe. And so he ran downstairs and got kind of, I guess, smacked and just like cracked his skull open. And it was like one of those freak accidents. But um, yeah, so he was, and, and then he drowns him. Right. And so, and so the scenes. It's interesting when um, you know the when when the main character Carlos sees the ghost. He he's sort of had the blood. He he has this head wound, but the blood is sort of flowing up from him, as if he you know, as if he was upside down or as if he was drowned. Yeah. It's sort of a, it's sort of an interesting effect. I mean, I think so. The, the the plot it it does have a very intricate plot, and the um, you know, it's very woven in with the the civil war that's going on, and it's the last days of the civil war. Um, you know, the, it's clear that the fascists are going to win, um, but even though it has this very intricate plot, um, it's it's sort of this very personal movie. Um, Del Toro has said it's his most sort of personal movie, and I think Carlos really is a stand-in for him. 
And it's one of those movies where we, as the viewers, only discover things as Carlos does. You know, the main character. Mm-hmm. Nothing, you know, we it's, it's not one of these movies where we know, you know, at least this, related to the ghost stuff anyway, where, where we know stuff that he doesn't. Like, we find it out as he does. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, sorry, no, no, no. To, uh, um, yeah, but, it, you know, it really kind of centers on this, this young boy. And in the end... Um, you know, one of the, the headmaster who, you know, like really cares about the boys, um, he gets attacked because this guy kind of rigs everything and blows up the school sort of. And, um, and then his ghost, because he dies, kind of helps the boys along with this other ghost, Santi, they kind of defeat the guy in the end. Um, although they need Santi's ghost, Santi tells Carlos, um, you've got to bring me the guy who killed me. And so Carlos and, and another kid who actually, um, this is all these plots with the kid, you know, there's plot points with the kids. The kid, the, the, there's a kid who, who actually is a bully in the beginning, but ends up becoming, um, you know, he was, the, he was the other kid who was there that night when the groundskeeper guy killed Santi. But um, they, they end up, you know, um, teaming up and, and beating the, the groundskeeper and, and bringing him in and pushing him into the cistern the well that uh, Santi was drowned in and then, you know, basically everything is, uh, you know, every, every, everything is, is, is back to, well, it's back to normal, but the school has been destroyed. Right. And I I think there's some notion that like Carlos is supposed to represent the future of Spain and that the, uh, the older people, the older people who work in the, um, in the orphanage, the headmaster and the headmistress really represent the you know the sort of the what what is ending in spain with this civil war like the old regime and that uh the bad guy is actually sort of represents the fascists right yeah and it, and of course you know the end of the movie you see the young children who like you said kind of represent that new hope um they are leaving the school and kind of going out into this wide expanse of almost like nothing i mean it's like a right. not desert it's like the cursed but, earth yeah yeah absolutely and they're kind of these hobbly you know like one kid is hopping on one foot because he broke his ankle the other kid has a whole back full of you know uh where he had glass in him you know it's like these children are are eight years old maybe and and they're so like weather worn already but they're going out and they're they've been triumphant and they they kind of you know and this is definitely a Del Toro movie. I mean, oh, I think he had made he had made Mimic beforehand, and he had made Kronos beforehand. Um, I mean, it certainly does not have the budget of something like the you know the Kaiju movie that he made, or even like Hellboy Two, um, or I think he maybe Blade Two is the movie that he made after this. But I'm not Hell, yeah, yeah, the Hellboy movies. But um, Blade Two is the one that he made after this. But it really is a Del Toro movie, and if you like Pan's Labyrinth. It really does work as a sort of prequel, and you know, uh, Pan's Labyrinth takes place five years later. This takes place in 1939. Pan's Labyrinth takes place in 1944, and um, it is. I mean, it's a ghost. You know, it's a ghost movie, and uh, it doesn't have as you know as much of you know like monsters and creatures and stuff. 
but you can still tell. I mean, the, there's 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 something the kids do with slugs, like you you mentioned the the night that Santi and um, Jaime got caught. They were you know sort of catching or stealing slugs or something. It just the the the, the you you can definitely see that it is it it feels very much like a Del Toro movie and the sort of almost fetishization of these um, old you know, all the thing, the things in the orphanage, it, it's, you know, everything there is very old and ancient and it feels like the stuff that, you know, like is in like a cabinet of, of curiosities that, mm. you know, you, you might associate with, with, uh, Del Toro. And, um, yeah, I, um, I, I actually hadn't seen this until recently. And so I, I, I was really psyched. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's also an interesting thing because it's a Mexican director, doing a movie about you know he's done two movies now about the spanish civil war and of course mexico you know is a is a country that was colonized mm-hmm. and conquered by you know spain so they you know they, you know and and actually also uh, almondovar the very famous spanish um, director uh produced this movie. yes yeah yeah which is interesting it's it's you know i mean this is a movie about spain and so in that sense it makes sense but they're not two directors that I would normally uh, associate. Right. right. <laughs> no, I, I agree. So I, I guess the, our, our second movie also takes place. It takes place in a boarding school, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's visually totally very different. Uh, the Awakening, it's a British horror film. It's directed by Nick Murphy from, and it, it's, uh, you know, 10 years later. It's uh, 2011. And actually takes place probably... Uh, 20 years or so years earlier than the devil's backbone. It mm-hmm. takes place after world war one. It's a, uh, you know, it takes place in like 1920, 21 around then. And, um, it stars Rebecca Hall, uh, who people might know from, uh, Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Um, she also was in the prestige. Um, she, she's been in, in, in a bunch of things. I, I saw this um, on Netflix, you know, for the first time a couple of years ago. Yeah. I was sort of blown away by it because I, I had no expectations. I'd never heard of it. And I actually really, really, I, I really enjoyed it. And I like Rebecca Hall yeah, a lot. me too. Uh, she was just recently in, um, what was the, the movie where she plays the newscaster that um, that actually commits suicide uh, it's on air? Christine. Christine, yeah. And she got rave, rave reviews. Did you see that? I did. And she, she's just, she's such a good actress. Like, she is just... Yeah. She's phenomenal, yeah. So, she, um, she is a, a, an orphan who um, is also an author. And basically, her she works with p- the police to basically dis- to debunk, um, like, supernatural hoaxes and expose, you know, there was a big thing at the time in the late 19th century, early 20th century, people were having seances, and a lot of people were um, taking advantage of people's grief, mm. and, you know, basically, you know, um, soaking them, you know, taking taking their money, and, and doing these elaborate, you know, hoaxes to, you know, as if they were really contacting the, their dead loved ones and stuff like that. And so she's someone who goes around and she's not very popular because of that. Cause even the people that she helps resent her because she has sort of put a pin in their hopes yeah. that they could ever, you know, contact their dead loved one. Which is the um, whole, like, I actually love the opening sequence of this movie because it yes. gives you that in, in pretty much a nutshell, you're seeing that spiritualist movement where you're seeing this staged, um, 
sort of seance, but it's not really like an intimate seance. It's really like a like a stage production where they have a whole bunch of people in because they're like, we have a ghost. You'll, you're going to see it. And she kind of like defrauds the whole thing in front of everyone. It's actually really cool to see, too. Because it's a cool things, sequence. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's like, here's that... this and here's that. And, blah, 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 yeah. and she she basically is like, you know, shows the people the quote unquote, like man behind the mirror, yes. the man behind the curtain Wizard of Oz thing, although it's a little more. It's a little cooler than that. Which, if you um, um, saw Ouija 2 last year, um, it's a little similar to the beginning of that movie, where there's kind of a seance thing, and then you see how all the tricks work. So it's kind of similar, but but like a little bit bigger. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, she has Dominic West, who uh, Wire fans will know as McNulty, mm-hmm. shows up. Um, and he's also on, uh, what is that, that Showtime show, The Affair. Yes. Seems like lately he's been playing Americans more than he's been playing British. But he is British. Um, he's a teacher from a boarding school. And he shows up that at um, and says that there's been a ghost at the school. It's a ghost of a child and wants her help. Um, and she doesn't... She, she initially is like, no, you know, fuck that or whatever. But um, she herself, be, having been an orphan, and she sort of gets the sense that this guy really, you know, cares about the kids and the situation. Um, she goes and she goes up there and we find out that the orphanage is in like a, a, a it used to be a private home, but it's like a private home the way like Downton Abbey is a private home. I mean, it's this very, very fancy old home and the kids are all on break. So the only people there are the housekeeper, the teacher, her, and one of the kids. And uh, the kid is Tom, and he's actually played by Isaac Hempstead Wright, um, who is uh, Bran from uh, from Game of Thrones. And it's him like a few years before, actually, the, the first season of Game of Thrones. So it's sort of even a, a younger Bran. Um, and the housekeeper's played by Imelda Staunton. Really, really, really great actor. And... Um, they're there to basically solve solve this situation. Um, and there's a very, very, um, it's sort of not, not convoluted because that's a negative term, but the, there's sort of a, the, the plot, I mean, I don't, you it's know. It's complicated. Can, it is very. Yeah, we can, re- we can reveal this. So it turns out that she herself, that the ghosts have brought her to the house to a certain degree. And it turns out that Tom is a ghost. Now, I'm someone who I actually guessed literally like five, ten minutes, fifteen minutes into the, um, you know, I see dead people. Uh, the sixth you know, sense. I, yeah, in the sixth sense, I was like, oh, well, obviously Bruce Willis is dead. No one's interacting with him. We saw him get stabbed in the opening scene. Like, it didn't even occur to me that that would be the twist. But there's the twist in this is that Tom is a ghost. Mm. And I didn't notice that no one interacted with him, but... Uh, Florence, um, Rebecca Hall's character. And it turns out that he's the ghost of her younger half-brother who was uh, killed um, by her father um, and, and his father uh, because he had had a, an affair with the maid who, in fact, is Imelda Staunton. And um, he, the father went nuts, killed the, killed the, um, the uh, illegitimate son, killed his wife, and then killed himself. And she has basically created a whole alternate memory. She imagined herself as a um, orphan whose parents have been lost in Africa. And um, the ghosts basically bring her back there to, um, well, the Maud, the, the, the housekeeper actually tries to kill her, tries to poison right. her. And, um, you know, because she's like, well, Tom needs you. Tom wants you. 
And uh, she has a love affair with the, uh, you know, with the the teacher played by Dominic West. And it turns out he sees ghosts of all the 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 guys that he served in World War One with, and it's like haunting him. And um, I, you know, again, there's a lot of plot stuff here, you know, that I don't want to necessarily, you know, get 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 into. But um, it's it's really interesting because it's. I love the look of the film. I really mm-hmm. like the film a lot. And I like the performances a lot. Um, but um, it looks like a David Fincher movie. It, yes. it very much... It's it, it really looks blue kind of... Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, and, 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 and it, it actually looks a lot like the uh, Fincher's version of... Um, you know what's, Girl with what's the dragon the, tattoo? Yes, yeah. exactly. That was the thing that it looked like the most yes. to me. Yeah. And I actually really love the way that film looks. Um and it, but it's like totally stylistically so different than the devil's backbone and obviously as when we get to it i mean it's like the exact opposite of suspiria sort of very muted but it 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 works perfectly for the period it works perfectly for the theme um and it and and there's a lot of um you know again with these a ghost story is different than vampires or you know um werewolves or you know the yeah there's something with the you know a goat the ghosts are always want to try and they're trying to reach out to the living because something has been undone in their life something has been unsaid there's some they need closure and 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 in you know in this the people also need closure like the ghosts need closure in this movie but the people also need closure and there's a real sense of melancholy that i think everybody can relate to on some level with the you know with the characters in this movie um both the ghosts and and the 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 real people uh especially florence herself once you once you realize her story and once she realizes her what her story is because she had basically created like this whole mental block because she had witnessed her father kill her you know mother and 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 stepbrother you know uh half brother and and just you know it was it, it, and 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 so um i don't know i i i really 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 like the movie and it ends on a it ends on a sort of hopeful note i i think mm-hmm. uh where thing things have been resolved um but again i i you know this movie came out in 2011 i don't i don't remember it coming out i wasn't aware of it when it came out i only saw it on netflix a few years later and um you know when we talked about doing the school thing i just really remembered this movie and i was like oh we should definitely do you know and again it has it has something in common with the with the devil's backbone um in that um you know it is it is uh you know there is a uh, a sort of sleazy groundskeeper slash custodian character mm-hmm. and there is the war plays a big role i mean it's it's not as active as the devil's backbone but this one, World War One, is a huge role in the movie. Even though the war is over, all of the characters have been affected in some way by World War One. Um, yeah, I think that's like the big thing with this, um, which I think also goes into the color grading, where it's this very blue gray, dreary, um, and of course it's a British film, so it's like that rainy countryside as well. But I yeah. think that really taps into the idea of like that post World War One where. I mean, it really, World War One really, really debilitated economies. It, it shattered. I mean, it, at the time, it was like, you know, the greatest number of deaths, casualties that have ever happened. So you really had this entire generation that was almost literally wiped out. And then those that came back were, were not the same. 
you know, so they were either physically maimed and, and horrifically physically maimed, or they were just like half shells of people. And so I think that really ties into because of course Dominic West his character you know he had been at the war and so he lost a bunch of his you know um his buddies and so he still sees them and so there really is this idea of that that continuous haunting where it's not sinister and it's not even scary per se but it is that lingering melancholy it's that lingering it's almost like depression it's just something that sits there and it is there and kind of sometimes it takes over and sometimes it it is in the background but it's always there and i think that's what's kind of interesting about this film is again in, in, even tying into the ideas of you know repression and the coloring and just you know that that loneliness that these are lonely ghosts they're not really trying to scare you. They're not trying to harm you. They're just lonely. Um, and, you know, to help her kind of realize something that she'd been repressing so that she can kind of be okay. Um, it, it's just really interesting to me the way that the war ties into that kind of concept. Yeah. And I mean, the one thing I would say is, yes, the, the ghosts are lonely, but the people are lonely, too. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and, and the and, similarity of a lonely yeah. person and a lonely ghost and how... There isn't really much separating the two except life and death, I guess, you know? Yeah, I, I, I you know, this one's on Netflix and, and I would definitely recommend it. Um, it's got, you know, really good, good, you know, and I think, you know, we, we gave a lot of the plot points away, but there's a lot of sort of between um, point A and point B that we that we didn't reveal. Um and so I, I would, I, you know, again, I, I would definitely recommend this, uh, you know, to anyone who likes ghost stories. I think it, it, it um, yeah, I mean, the it, 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 I don't remember if any, you know, any other big ghost stories came out in 2011. And I'm trying to think of other ones that I've seen that have come out since then. But I, I, I really feel like I, I haven't seen a better ghost story since since the awakening. I mean, I could obviously, I'm sure that even in the next five minutes, I'll do something, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, which, well, this is also uh, you know, specifically a school kind of ghost story. That's right. Um, that's right. Cause and I it turns say out something the school like is, the is, is set in the home, the home that she grew right, up in. Right. Um, cause for that, me, like the innocence is probably the best ghost story ever, but that's not really like what we're, you know, it's not right. Best. No, that's a whole different. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, which which ultimately leads us to, I would argue, you know, well, certainly many people consider Suspiria to be one of the greatest horror films of all time. Mm. I mean, it's certainly I, I, Argento's, Dario Argento's masterpiece, right? Uh, no, I would say Deep Red is, but this is definitely... Really? Yeah, I absolutely okay. would. Deep Red is the greatest giallo ever made. Um, okay. So, wow. yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm... You know, you could you could at me on Twitter because I'm telling you, Deep Red is is it. But if you feel differently, please let me know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, but Suspiria is is also like it is a masterpiece. I mean, it's definitely one of the greatest. You know, one of his greatest works. Um, the guy just made a lot of really amazing movies, and goddamn, I want that career. <laughs> you know, um, but Suspiria definitely is one of those um, stylistic horror movies it's definitely when people talk about when when you see things like um the neon demon uh and and i would i mean well actually i i don't want to say that because i know that uh nicholas winding refn like or winding whatever it is uh he actually like vehemently argues that he is not dario Argento is colors and he's lighting or something but whatever it's to say you know when you think of those really punchy horror movies that are very stylized with color 
Um, it comes from Dario Argento. I really, I, I would say outside of Vertigo, I, which isn't like a straight up horror movie anyway. Um, I can't really think of things that have used set pieces and color uh, in quite the same way in horror prior only to if this. you yeah the only if the only if you consider the wizard of oz to be horror and, and sure. i would say only because you know the wicked witch of the west because sure. he uses the cinematography in this he actually uses um a specific kind of technicolor process that was used in the wizard of oz and gone with the wind and it's very 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 vivid mm. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, I mean, Suspiria is really, so these other ones that we, that we, uh, talked about to, uh, to, you know, in this episode have slightly more complex plots. I mean, the plot of this movie is straight up an American girl goes to a boarding school in Europe and discovers that it's being run by witches. And that's pretty much the plot of the movie. And a lot of it, I'm not trying to say that it's style over substance, but a lot of it is just these the, the visuals. I mean, the combination of the cinematography, the production design, and the music. Yes. Um, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of Goblin, who is this um, prog rock group that actually did the music for a lot of Dario Argento's movies and other um, European um, horror directors as well. And Suspiria might be the most famous of, of the themes, but the combination of this, the those three elements are really what makes Suspiria, like sort of elevates it above almost anything. And it's it's celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. And there is actually a, a remake coming out with... Um, Dakota Johnson and Chloe Grace Moretz and Tilda Swinton. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't say enough about, um, God, and I actually, so, um, there's a, there's an article, uh, about, uh, about Goblin and, and the music of Suspiria that's, you can see on the, uh, Scream Squad tw- Twitter account. Um, because, uh, I, I think it just, it, it's such an important part of the movie and a lot of people really do talk about, the visuals, but I think that the music plays such an important role as well. Yeah, I think Dario Argento is always a combination of um, sight and sound. You know, like, it's really the things that you're seeing, like these punchy, there's a a scene in this, um, and there's something about his films where they're not really, there's a lot of set pieces, and they feel like set pieces, but it works. And then there's a lot of um, exteriors that still feel like set pieces that actually really aren't. They really are real locations like in Rome, but they feel because the streets are always empty um, and they always feel um, like menacing. You know, it's these beautiful Gothic, you know, Roman architecture, but it's the street is completely empty and it just feels like there's something wrong. Why is this street empty? You know, why? Why is nobody out? You know, and I think he does that really well in a lot of his films because that's also like Deep Red um, and uh, Inferno are like that too, where you're outside, but you feel unsafe. And so I like I think a lot of times in horror movies, like the you're trying to get out, you know, you're trying to escape something and get out where there's people and you can end. And I think what he does really well is when you're out, so to speak, when you're in the exterior scenes, um, there's no one there. You know, it is empty and quiet and desolate, and it, it makes it feel like you can't ever escape that terror. Um, and I think that's brilliant on his part. You know, I think that 
you know, you see that in Halloween a little bit where, you know, she's screaming in the block and, you know, one person turns off their light. You know, this idea that nobody's going to come save you even when you escape that, that, you know, thing. But, um, but yeah, I think that he uh, just does this really great combination of these killer, you know, soundtracks as you get people like running through things or, you know, um, and he's really great at horrifically gory, wonderful you know, deaths. I mean, the the death in the apartment building is over the top. It's ridiculous. The blood is just super thick and bright. And, you know, it, lo- it looks like it, it's paint, but it works. You know, it's like, it's not, it, it's fake, it but just, it's not. I mean, it works perfectly with the, I mean, the, 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 again, with that technical process that they use, and there's a lot of red in the production design yeah. itself, like in the school and in various rooms and stuff like that. But, it, it the combination of the violence and then it's also like this is set in like a hoity-toity artsy european you know she's a dancer right she, she's, she's a ba- going it's there a ballet learn, school yeah exactly yeah. like so they're ballerinas yeah. and yet you know they're there they are learning how to dance but they're also learning black magic you know um and so it's it's uh you know, there's there's a, there's a combination of the physical beauty of both the film itself, but of the sort of sets and the settings with this like really kind of crazy violence. You know, I think what drives me crazy about this movie is just like I I can think off the top of my head of so many. There's the hallway where the girls live, which is all red and has kind of stained glass and you know these like dark wooden doors, and then the office of the you know headmistress has these weird you know colorful flowers painted you know and um when she finally finds the secret passage to the witch's you know area it's this stenciled um kind of like dark brown and gold and it's different um like languages and it's just so amazing like the detail um you know when she finds the um you know the head witch because this is the first of like the mother trilogy and so this is one of the like three mothers and so it's like the supreme witches and so when she finds her there's this beautiful like technicolor um peacock lamp that she's standing next to and so there's so many stills from this movie that you definitely have seen mostly because i tweet them all the time too but um there are these really iconic shots as a result of just the set design you know the sets are fake but they're incredible you know there's that crazy apartment building with the geometric kind of you know shapes all over it um you know he just i i I would kill to make him just one movie like this um and he's made several inferno is really stylized he uses a lot of in in addition to the color you know there's red everywhere there's the scene where the girls are um they 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 find like maggots in their in you know their yeah. dorms so they get sent into kind of like a communal area and they set up these big sheets and then everything is backlit red and so you get these great shots of them whispering and they're just kind of shadowy with red i mean it's just his use of color but also lighting he uses a lot of like blues and and purples and red lighting to kind of um just highlight as people are going along and it's just He's just one of the best filmmakers to just sit there and watch. Like, for me, like, Zodiac, you know, Fincher's Zodiac is a masterclass, but any Argento movie is a masterclass in just how to make something that pops and just, you know, is incredible to watch. 
Well, one of, one of the things that's interesting, I, I, I just want to shout out, you know, Goblin and the soundtrack mm. again, is that actually this is something that is done, I guess, maybe more in Europe than here. But the um, the score was actually composed with Argento um, before, I think, they had shot the movie. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. And so, um, you know, he knew he had the score like, he, you know, and so he could play the music on the set while they were actually shooting that scene and that kind of thing. Mm. And so um, but yeah, I, I, I echo everything that you've said about the visuals. I just wanted to shout out like I definitely have like Goblin on my, you know, iPhone and I'm sitting there literally on the subway and like <laughs> I'm listening to that music, you know. Yeah, I have and this so... Suspiria soundtrack on vinyl and it's awesome. Yeah, and so um, I just want to, you know, you can definitely find that. Um, you know, uh, just to jump in, it's really funny that you said that, though, because I um, got a chance to interview Oz Perkins, who is uh, the son of Anthony Perkins, who, of course, plays Norman Bates in Psycho. And he just did a movie called The Black Coat's Daughter, which is, um, it's now out if you guys haven't seen it. Um, and it actually takes, it's a school thing. Oh, there's my dog. Uh, it takes place in a school and, um, it's really, I, I really enjoyed it, but he was telling me that he didn't have music when he was shooting. And so, um, you know, for him to watch things, cause this is also a movie that has some really great, you know, um, it's not goblin, but it's very atmospheric and moody and tense. And, um, and so when I asked him about the music, he was saying that listening to the, you know, the kind of generic stuff that they put over when you're watching your dailies was, was absolutely horrific. So it's kind of funny that Argento had it going in because that must make such a huge difference, you know, to kind of, oh, I sure. mean, music sets the tone so much that I, I, that's such a genius thing to do. <laughs> You know, and they had a really fruitful collaboration. I think yeah. actually, Deep Red might have been the first time yes. they had worked together, yeah. but um, it definitely. I, I know that you know. I, I know that in subsequent films. I mean, I know Goblin did the music for uh, Phenomena mm-hmm. um, in, in the mid eighties with uh, yeah with with Jennifer Connelly yeah, which is and so good. Um, yeah so. You know, definitely, uh, this one, you know, you can, you know, it's, it's famous and I'm sure it'll be out there because they're doing this remake this year, but I, I don't know where this one is in fact, um, I think this is something you have to like rent from Amazon right now. Right. Yeah. But you know, the others are out there. Devil's Backbone is, is either on Amazon or on Shudder. Um, and, uh, Awakening can definitely be seen on Netflix and all three are, are, are highly recommended. And, um, Suspiria is really a classic. I mean, it's on every single like best of horror list. And I think it's even on some like best of film lists, you know? Um, and if you're interested in the whole goblin kind of in the music, um, one of our followers who's really great, Blake, um, who is scored to death, on Twitter, um, he wrote an entire book called Scored to Death, of course, and um, and he dives into the history of music and horror films, but he has a whole huge section with Goblin. He talks to the band. Um, he has interviewed John Carpenter recently. Like, he, if you're into this, like, you should definitely check out his book. I just picked it up myself, um, but I just wanted to give him a little shout out there because this is really his, like niche and uh, i know he does a lot of stuff talking about goblins so if you're really into this and you dig that soundtrack i would definitely recommend his book yeah so i guess it is that time of the uh that time of the month again you know where we're uh for our patreon listeners uh for anyone who doesn't know we have a patreon and we um post uh additional um you know mini podcasts podcasts um 
and uh, Jamie Jamie's uh, written some articles. There's the recent uh, book club. Yeah, I you know, shared this, a book this... that I'm reading with you guys. So um, we just try to get some stuff up there. And um, let me just give quick shout outs to Kelvin, Ivan, and Carlos who signed up this month on Patreon, and we really, really appreciate the support. Props, yeah. Like, thank you guys. But yeah, if you like what we're what we're doing every other week, we put more stuff up on Patreon, and there's a bunch of really good podcasts on on the Patreon that only Patreon subscribers can listen to. Um, and uh, yeah, so also the other bonus of being a Patreon subscriber is uh, that you get to participate in our monthly giveaway. Um, and so um, I am I'm just getting the uh, the Cthulhu Fez ready here with the names in it. And, um, yeah, so, up, oh, up, oh, all right, so, yeah, we've got, uh, this month we have a DVD, uh, brand new DVD copy of Monster House, um, which is a haunted house, uh, you know, uh, computer animated movie, uh, by Spielberg and, uh, Zemeckis, but I thought that that fit in, uh, mm. with our theme, um, this month, and, um, yeah, so Daniel Silverthorne. Yay. Come on down. You are you are this month's uh, this month's uh, Scream Squad recipient, um, and so uh, yeah. It's, uh, I guess hit us, DM us your address. I know you're in Canada, but maybe if you have an address in the U.S. But either way, let us know. We're, we'll we'll definitely get it to you. And um, yeah, so uh, keep uh, you know keep keep listening, keep screaming, and uh, tell your friends. <laughs>